Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. There's Charles W. Chuck Bryant. And uh, since we're here together, you can't see us, but we are here. Uh, don't be so solipsistic. Nice word. Thanks. Did I get that all right? I think so. Okay. Um, it's uh, stuff you should know. Ta-da. Yeah, here we are. Um, how you doing? I'm great. Oh, I'm glad. I like these little top tens. I think they're a nice, digestible, light form of, mm-hmm. hey, I'm going to tell a couple of these at the next dinner party I throw. Yes. They're like uh, hors d'oeuvres. Yeah, exactly. They're like um, pigs in a blanket. Yeah, ooh, good homemade pigs in a blanket. They're like uh, cocktail weenies in that particular barbecue ketchup mixture. Yeah, that stuff. I love that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they're all that and more, Chuck. That's right. I've got one for you. Let's hear it. We're talking about 10 accidental inventions. Yeah. Um, and I I know we've talked about this a lot, but I think it bears repeating. The um, accidental discovery of LSD, of acid. Yeah. Probably one of the funniest things that's ever happened to a chemist, ever. <laughs> yeah, sure. Albie, Albie Hoffman, uh, back in the, I think like 1929, he started working at Sandoz Pharmaceuticals in Switzerland. Yeah. And he decided he was going to get to the bottom of ergot. Mm-hmm. And ergot is a, it's a mold, I believe, or fungus, I'm sorry, that yeah. grows on uh, rye in particular. Um, and has long been known to like make people do crazy weird stuff, and they mm-hmm. think that maybe the Salem witch trials were the result of ergot poisoning. Sure, or the uh, Enlightenment was a result of yep. ergot poisoning. It's possible a lot Poise, of stuff. quote unquote poisoning, right? Yeah. Ergot um, craziness. Uh, and Albie Hoffman was trying to um, Albie go with the you like Albie. Yeah, he's dead. He can't hear me. Okay. Uh, he was trying to figure out, you know, what what you can do with this. He's been studying it for a while, and he came up with uh, lysergic acid diphthalidomide, and um, he made uh, several attempts at it. And on uh, his derivative LSD twenty five, he uh, got some on his hands, I guess, ingested it somehow. Yeah, fingertips. So he he uh, he has it on his fingers. Yeah, and he goes home to lay down. He starts seeing like fractals and colors in a kaleidoscope, <laughs> and um, the it, I, it interested him. I guess you could say. Sure. So he started researching heavily, like injecting it and getting bike rides from his assistant and all that stuff. Yeah, he took it on per- he took it on accident, and then he three days later he was like, maybe I should try that for real. And then he got a ride home on the bike from his assistant, and April sixteenth is now referred to as Bicycle Day. Yeah. Uh, about those hippies. Yeah. And uh, one of his quotes that I thought was really great when he first described it, he said it was, quote, a not unpleasant. <laughs> intoxicated like state yeah and that was on the first time apparently by the bicycle trip got a little hairy oh really yeah but then you know he passed through that wave into the wave of not unpleasant once again right and they started wearing captains so (laughs) he would say uh it was an accidental discovery of the nature of the psychedelic nature and he said we should start using this stuff for, like, medicine. Yeah, well, the hippies had other ideas. Yeah, sure. He ultimately referred to um, LSD as his problem child. He wrote a book yeah. called My Problem Child in 1980. I think it was kind of one of those ones where it's like, you're my problem child, come here, here's some money. 
He wrote that in 1980? Wow. Yeah, I believe so. Boy, I didn't realize he lived that long. That's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah, he was an uh, old guy. Well, I mean, he uh, he drank a tablespoon of LSD every day, and that's what <laughs> so. gave him his longevity, I think. Uh, so that's number one, right? Or that's actually number ten. That was the intro. Well, it counts. I don't think it should count. So you got another one then? An extra? Yeah, I'll just make it up as, <laughs> as apparently is what we do. Uh, Josh, number nine, Cornflakes, uh, is fictionalized in the T.C. Boyle book, The Road to Wellville. Was that a T.C. Boyle bi- book? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. He's great. Oh, I love him. Uh, Ed, did you see the movie? Uh, yeah. I, I've not seen the movie or read the book. Yeah, uh, Matthew Broderick, mm-hmm. uh, Anthony Hopkins. Yeah. It was good. Yeah. I've um, been to Battle Creek before, though. Oh, you really have? Yeah, when uh, I was a kid. And that's the home of cereals, right? Kellogg's cereal. Basically. Kellogg's okay. cereal. Here we go. Uh, Will Keith Kellogg, he was um, interested in medicine, and he was working as a doctor at the Battle Creek Sanitarium with his brother, helping him out with, and this is in the movie, you know, like uh, with their diets. He was trying all sorts of weird treatments. Enemas, big on enemas. Oh, yeah, huge on enemas. He also um, discovered uh, or created the first acidophilus soy milk. Oh, really? Yeah, and some sort of meat alternative that ultimately led something to something like American tofu or something huh. like that. Yeah. Boy, what a genius. Yeah. Uh, and he is responsible, by accident, for cornflakes. Oh, Will was, and I'm sorry, John Harvey, his brother was. Oh, uh, okay. The, responsible for those two things. Well, it runs in the family. Yeah. Um, he was making bread one day at the old sanitarium there in Battle Creek. Uh, he left uh, boiled wheat sitting out for a little too long. And he came back and he rolled it into the dough and it became flaky, which is not what he was looking for. But he was like, you know what? I'm going to throw this in the oven anyway. I'm going to see what happens. Right. And it baked these little flakes that the patients here were like, boy, these are delicious. We should pour some milk over this stuff and cut a banana into it. Yeah. And uh, put it in a box. Can we get some freeze-dried strawberries <laughs> added? Exactly. And uh, eventually he tinkered with it and switched it over to corn as the main ingredient instead of wheat. And uh, that was corn flakes, my friend. That's how it took off. Yeah. Once he added or used corn, I'm sure it was kind of like, this isn't good, but what is this, Wheaties? These are terrible. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And then he, d- he tried it with corn, and they were like, oh, that's really good. And that formed uh, the Battle Creek Toasted Corn Flakes Company, which eventually became Kellogg's. Right. Accidental cereal. The guy who, who, whenever he came up with the uh, Battle Creek Toasted Corn Flakes Company name, yeah. you know he was wearing spats. That that name just like <laughs> screams spats. What are spats? Are those the the little white covers that go over your shoes? Yeah, if you're yeah. like Mr. Monopoly or okay, Sylvester thought... Stallone in that terrible movie <laughs> where he plays like a gangster. Oh yeah, Oscar. Yeah, I thought uh, spats might have been the little sock leggings, but those are probably just called sock leggings. I think those are called spenders, sock garters, or garters. Garters. Yeah, we should bring that back. No, no, those died out for good reason. <laughs> All right, moving on. Or do you have any other Kellogg's facts? Uh, I have neither Kellogg's facts nor any more spats jokes, okay. so I think we should go on. Because this next one is dynamite. Damn. Named for the Greek Greek root meaning connected with power, um, Alfred Nobel, Swedish scientist, accidentally discovered dynamite uh, when he was working on basically with nitroglycerin. He's working on explosives, trying right. to make it stable. Well, his father built mines. Oh, is that how that started? And you 
built mines using explosives, specifically sure. nitroglycerin. But back then it was kind of like, yeah. okay, 80 people died because this nitroglycerin just exploded because someone looked at it wrong. Yeah, well, because we have it in a jar in the back of a horse cart. <laughs> right, that's part of the problem yeah. too. But um, he lost a brother and three other people um, at his lab in Stockholm when he was trying to figure yeah. out how to stabilize it. Very sad. Um, but he, he kept with it. Uh, and so in the article, it says that he was transporting it and saw it packed in this stuff, this mud that we like to call Kieselger. Yeah, diatomaceous um, earth. Right. But I read elsewhere that it wasn't that. The, ultimately, he came up with using Kieselger. Yeah, I read that he dropped it. Under sawdust. That's what I read, he too. He thought he was going to die as he watched this vial fall, vial right. of nitroglycerin fall out of his hand. But it landed on sawdust and was absorbed. And he went, huh, that's weird. So they started that's figuring awesome. out that if dead. you mixed it with an inert material, yeah. um, you, you could conceivably blast it by adding a fuse to it. Mm-hmm. He finally came up with Kieselger, which is like this kind of, it's like sedimentary mud, right? Uh, Grit. Yeah, it's like it's real powdery. It's a combination of crust fossil, crushed fossil and marine life. Gotcha. Like it's what they use. Actually, you'll probably see it. It's what they use on film sets when they want to make stuff look dirty. Oh, okay. Because it's just like super light and powdery and makes it look really super dirty. Gotcha. Yeah. Kieselger. Yeah, Fuller's Earth. Well, he also, I mean, it, that would be something. He figured out how to stabilize nitroglycerin and created a stable explosive. Sure. Um, but he com- he combined it with a- another previous invention of his based on the initial ignition principle, which is not just using a fuse, but having a fuse go to a blasting cap and having a smaller explosive blow up your bigger explosive. Yeah. He put all that together, and that was dynamite. Truly dynamite. It was. And um, it, he, again, he was doing this to build mines. Yeah. But in his lifetime, he saw his invention used to, like, destroy human lives. Yeah, he he blew up a lot of things himself by accident, a lot of his factories. It wasn't just that one time. <laughs> no, yeah. They basically said, you can't do this anymore on the mainland, so he right. started work on a barge. Yeah. And I think the barge might have even blown up, too. I'm sure everything blew up. <laughs> he was like King Midas, but everything exploded. That's right. But um, so uh, as part of his legacy, he created the Nobel Peace Prize. Um, to, well, I guess he bequeathed it, uh, sure. to, to basically say, Hey, I, I, a lot of people have died because of my invention. So, um, let's, let's promote safety and harmony and peace. And then later the Ig Nobels. Yeah. Which kind of brought it pro- full circle in a way. They did. Uh, he first named it no, uh, Nobel's blasting powder. Then eventually it became dynamite. Um, not to be confused with TNT. It's different. Okay. So ACDC was wrong. TNT, I'm dynamite. That's not true. I know what you're saying. That you what they should have said was uh, TNT, I'm not quite dynamite, or I'm less effective than dynamite. That should have been the song. <laughs> so what is TNT then? TNT is um is dynamite is sixty percent has sixty percent greater energy than TNT. Wow, that's wow. So it's two totally different things. It's not just like a lesser degraded version no. of dynamite. They're both high explosives, meaning they detonate instead mm-hmm. of like burning. Yeah. But um yeah, two different things. So okay. Bon Scott was he was on the drink. <laughs> as we all found out. Really? Well he died because of the drink. The dude with the hat? No, that's that's the second guy, Brian Johnson, the first lead singer, uh, for the first however many albums died in his uh car. He 
passed out after a night drinking and did the old choke on the vomit thing. But he was the one that sang TNT yeah. Dynamite? Mm-hmm. I thought those two guys were like what I thought TNT and Dynamite were up until a minute ago. <laughs> now, the Brian same. Johnson came along later uh, with uh, Back in Black was his first album. Huh. So all that good early ACDC response got. What do you think about Sammy Hagar? <laughs> so Saccharin is up next, Chuck. I feel like we should talk about Saccharin. Let's do it. Well, we are just really going down the line here, aren't we? Yeah, it's an accidental invention, number seven. Oh, okay. Well, um, so uh, there's a guy who is named Constantine Falberg. Yeah. He was working, he was a chemist, mm-hmm. uh, working in the labs at Johns Hopkins uh, under a guy named Ira Remsen. Yeah, Ira calls Constantine a jerk. He does, but not quite for the reasons that are displayed here. Right. Um, so uh, Falberg and uh, Remsen are working on apparently a substitute for coal tar. Yeah. That's all I could come across. That's what I found. His quote, he was saying, like, I've made many discoveries in my search for coal tar, some of them accidental, and here's one. But he doesn't say, like, what I was doing was synthesizing chemicals in a search for substitute for coal tar. Right. So I'm not going to stand 100% behind it, but that's what I think, right? Okay. He he said he was in a great hurry and left the lab without washing his hands. Apparently, he wasn't wearing gloves or anything either while he was working in the lab with these chemicals that he didn't know what they were. Right. Uh, and he went home and he ate dinner. Right. Uh, and he was eating a piece of bread, and his bread was, like, really sweet. Mm-hmm. And he realized that that was weird, so he put the bread down and wiped his uh, hands and his mouth and his beard with the napkin. He's like, the napkin's sweet, too. Yeah, he thought the napkin was super sweet, and he's like, okay, there's something weird going on. He put two and two together and realized it must have been that powder that he had on his hands. From the, the chemical that he spilled on it. That he didn't think to wash off before he ate with his hands. Exactly. Yeah. And it turned out to be saccharin. So what does he do? Well, he he says, I can probably make some money off this. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm under the impression that he he shut out Remsen. So what he did was, Remsen was a total research. He was a total lab rat. Okay. He didn't care a thing about patents. And he was apparently fine with the idea that Fallberg went off and independently patented this. Until it started making money. No, until he started telling people that he was the one that created this thing, Uh, that he was the senior researcher. Right. Then, now he's screwing with Remsen's lab rat status. That's when Remsen was like, shut your mouth. Oh, so it didn't have as much to do with money than his rep. Exactly. Interesting. Yeah. So um, Fallberg ended up with the patent for Saccharin, and uh, years and years and years later, the 80s happened. People are all coked up. They're looking for ways to like lose some weight, yeah. and Sweet and Low comes along. Yeah, it's saccharin, and it has so few calories in it. Apparently, five calories a uh, gram. That it's just listed as zero calories because you know those packets are a lot less than a gram. Yeah. Um, and the reason why it's non-caloric is because it's never metabolized by the body. It just goes out the way in the same form it came in. Yeah, it has zero food energy value. Yeah. Um. It's like if you were trapped freezing in the woods and you had a big bucket of sweet and low, it wouldn't be the same as if you had a big bucket of sugar. Yeah. You'd want the big bucket of sugar. Trapped in the woods with a big bucket of sugar, huh? Well, you got food energy. <laughs> okay. Trapped in the woods with a big bucket of sweet and low, you're screwed. Yeah. yeah. God, can you imagine like the fuzzy jackets on your teeth <laughs> after eating a bucket of sugar in the woods? <laughs> uh, since it was um, brought on the scene, it's kind of been... Added and removed quite a few times to the 
you can eat this, it's fine, and it's probably not great for you list. But right now, it's in good standing. It is. It is, you know, approved. Because I remember in the late 80s, early 90s, like after everybody had been drinking it for a while, they took like a hard look at saccharin and were like, well, it may cause cancer in lab rats. I put it in my unsweet iced tea. Uh, I've seen. Because that's the only thing I can find that, you know, you put sugar in there and it just sinks to the bottom. Well, well, yeah. Well, that's why you have to use um, simple syrup. Yeah, or put this sugar in the hot brewed tea where it will melt or dissolve. If you're not going to do that, then use simple syrup. It's fine. It works really well. Or just drink unsweet tea, for God's sake. I'm on an unsweet tea kick right now. Really? A little lemon. Yeah, see, I like the sweet tea. Oh, or sweet. or if I drink green tea, obviously, that's just straight up. Yeah. Not the same. Have you ever had this oolong tea? Yeah, sure. Whew. Yeah. That is something. Ooh it's, la la. It's crazy. All right, Josh. Um, <laughs> I didn't think the microwave, I, I feel like we've talked about that before. Like 800 times. We have? Yeah. So let's skip it. Okay. Viagra? Yeah, I, I hadn't heard of this one. I didn't realize it was accidental. You haven't heard of Viagra, please. I've heard of uh, Viagra, <laughs> yes, but I haven't oh, okay. heard of the story behind it. I oh, gotcha. Oh, I see what you're insinuating. <laughs> I, was, I was being coy. Um, Simon Campbell and David Roberts were researching uh, for Pfizer, trying to develop some uh, blood pressure and uh, heart medication for angina. Yeah. And they tested it on people, doing some trials, and these guys were all like, I still have some angina, and I have a massive erection, <laughs> which is a weird side effect. Yeah. You might want to look into this. Yeah, and uh, they did. And they went, wow, this could pay dividends in the end, fellas. Yeah, they they basically said, okay, FDA, forget everything we said. Forget the angina. We're just yeah, going to stick exactly. to amyl nitrate. Yeah. Um, <laughs> instead... Uh, we're gonna we're gonna just start over, do more clinical trials, but we're gonna use this to treat ED, and we're going to target um, handsome, salt and pepper haired men yeah. of a certain age yeah. um, who like to bathe in bathtubs outdoors next to their partners who are also in bathtubs watching sunrise. That, that is our target market. <laughs> oh, was it? Yeah, it's all the same though. Uh, I wonder if it is all the same. You probably just got sued by the pharmaceutical Actually, company. They're not all the same. They have. Each one has different um, covalent bond. I'll bet it's covalent bond. Well, they just have different properties. Some some work for like twenty four hours. Some work for like two hours. Some you take every day, just in case you happen to run into someone and need to have sex. <laughs> That's know. right. Yeah, but all of them, all of them, no priapism is not funny. So don't think it's funny because it's not. No, of course not. Okay, it's not. Uh, but it was popular. Um, sales peaked, I think, in 2008 at $1.9 billion in the yeah. U.S. alone. Yeah. And um, since then, obviously, Viagra was the first on the scene, but it has been uh, chipped away at by its competitors. But um, Like who? Uh, Cialis and yeah. uh, what's the other one? Levitra? Or is that heart medication? I can't keep track. I, I think, think we found that like there's a fine much, line. Yeah. Anyway. They, I mean, that's, this was this was for originally for the treatment of angina, and it worked some. Sure. I think that that happens quite a bit, actually. Well, it's all about blood flow, so. Oh yeah, that's true. It makes true. sense that it had that side effect, I guess. Hmm. It's all about blood flow and self confidence. <laughs> that's right. Pacemaker. Uh, I thought this one, like my eyes started bleeding during this one. All right, we can skip it because, as people know, when we do our top tens, we generally do like six or seven of them. We like to drive traffic to the site. That's right. Uh, Velcro. This one, I have to give a shout out. I want to. I want to tell everybody this is so amazing. 
So I first heard the story of Velcro when I was just a young, young pup. The story of Velcro. Yeah. You're aware, right? The real story? Yeah. Okay, not the fake NASA story. No, not the NASA story, the George de Mastral okay. story. Uh, he was a Swiss, Swiss, um, I don't remember what he was, but he turned out to be a Swiss inventor. Electrical engineer. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and he was hiking the Alps with his dog one day and came home and there were burrs attached to his dog and he, he said, that is ghastly. He said, um, he, wh- wh- what's going on here? Why are these burrs attached to my dog? I'm going to take a closer look. And he realized that the burrs w- were composed of little hooks. Mm-hmm. And that his dog's fur were acting as little loops. Yeah. And the hooks went into the loops and stuck and attached. And he said, I can recreate this. You know what? I'll rec- recreate it with nylon. And that's what he did. And that's what all Velcro is, is a system of hooks and loops made of nylon. Yeah. Now, I first learned that story when I was probably like seriously 11 or 12. Oh, wow. And I read it in uh, Uncle John's Bathroom Reader. Yep. And every Christmas I would get in a bathroom reader and every, every like December 29th I'd be done with like the 500 page bathroom reader and would just wait like another year. Yeah, yeah. Like a lot just for this reason, sure. right? I would be reading this, this book like over and over, like just constantly. And so like one of the reasons that we're here today, one of the reasons I'm here today mm-hmm. is because my curiosity was developed and honed through Uncle John's bathroom reader. Oh yeah. Yes, and it's been good and bad. Like they were, they were also where I learned that Genghis Khan supposedly killed like 1.87 million yeah, people yeah. in one hour, which kind of led to that article and all that. Cool. Um, but my eyes were open. We shouted out to them like recently, and they tweeted that we shouted out to them, and I realized that they listened to this podcast. Wow, that's so pretty cool. It's like the highest honor I, I I have ever enjoyed as far as my career goes. Like that's th- awesome. That was it. Like this group that like made me in part in large part who i am today yeah. is a fan of what we're doing that's awesome yeah i imagine mad magazine could only come close if they got in touch with you huh? yeah they would definitely be up there as well that's awesome okay so uh that's velcro yeah and um a couple of more little factoids it's a combination of two french words uh velours uh which means velvet and crochet which is hook yeah, and velour does not breathe very well as a fabric. <laughs> That's right. Uh, nylon was very new at the time, so he had a hard time with it. And this is a lesson for all you kids out there who fashion yourselves as, or fancy yourselves, excuse me, as little inventors. Mm-hmm. Don't give up. It took him 10 years from the moment he discovered what Velcro could be till the time that he could manufacture it successfully. And he worked and he worked and he worked. And 10 years later, he marketed it as the zipperless zipper, mm-hmm. and the rest is history. And don't get cheap Velcro, because you can tell the difference. Oh, man, you really can. Same as cheap duct tape. Yeah. You, you really get what you pay for. Yeah, that's definitely true with duct tape. You don't want duct tape that doesn't have the threads clearly visible. Yes. That form like kind of the uh, almost the rebar of it. It's exactly what it is. If you can't, if you can't see it clearly, like mm-hmm. in the roll, then just keep on moving. <laughs> little advice from your Uncle Josh. But that's stick to it. Uh, advice. Yeah. Not the duct tape stick to it. Yeah. A decade. Perseverance. That was good advice, man. A decade of work. Uh, penicillin? Yeah, this one was, uh, I don't think I realized penicillin was an accident. Um, Alexander Fleming, he was a bacteriologist in Scotland. He, um, decided to get a little lazy and go on vacation for two weeks. Luckily for us, in 1928, comes home, sees a petri dish with, uh, 
this weird mold that he hadn't seen before growing in it. Yeah. And he noticed, like, there's no bacteria around this mold. Right. It was like hugging the side of the pantry, yeah. just like, get it away from me. I know. This stuff is killing me. And he went, wow, I might be onto something here. Right. But the problem was the strain of um, penicillin mold that he discovered, he left his window open. The guy was a oh, bacteriologist in the 20th century. And he left his window <laughs> open, right? Anyway, um, the the mold, the strain he found was um, he couldn't reproduce it in mass quantity. So right. therefore, you know, by definition, it was useless as medicine. Sure. Uh, and then like 13 years later, a trio of guys, Flory, Heatley, and Moyer, um, found a strain of penicillin that they could just grow very quickly in large amounts. Bam, antibiotics. Nice. Millions and millions, possibly billion mm-hmm. lives saved. Agreed. But don't take too much of it. N- no. And I think, I think they your, prescribe <laughs> it these days. Personally. You should always know your limits. Yeah, no, I'm just saying, back, I think penicillin is one of these. They just, people get thrown on penicillin and amoxicillin like for everything these days. Right. Well, the other part of the problem, supposedly, um, is that they, if you don't finish your course, that makes it that much easier for um, bacteria. Yeah, that's what I hear. Microbes to evolve immunity. Yeah, I almost never finish my course though because well, it you're part of the problem. Gives me bad, bad, bad diarrhea. Well, you need to ride it out, as they say. Get yourself an Uncle John's bathroom reader. <laughs> In fact, when I'm on penicillin for one reason or another, I call them diarrhea pills. I have to take my diarrhea pill because I take it, and and they say you know that's a possible side effect, but. Of course, with me, it's a certain side effect. At least you don't get a priapism from it. <laughs> All right, number one, Josh, our last one. I thought this was pretty interesting because going back all the way to the 1800s, we used to think people were all stuffy, didn't know how to have a good time. All they did was just go to school, go to church, walk to work, and study hard. Turns <laughs> out that they were having... Laughing gas parties. Yeah, and ether frolics. Ether frolics, where they would sit around and suck on laughing gas and just laugh the night away. Right. Which is where the phrase, it's a gas, comes from. Oh. Yeah. That's nice. That makes sense. Sure. You're big time into entomology, aren't you? Oh, yeah. (laughs) And entomophagy. Yeah, that's right. Uh, So what happened was anesthesia was accidentally discovered by, seems like a few different people realized... About the same time from those parties. Yeah, Crawford Long, he's an Atlanta guy, right? Yeah, he's so- somewhere around Atlanta, yeah. Uh, William Morton and Charles Jackson and Horace Wells, um, they had all experiment- experimented with nitrous oxide. Um, maybe, maybe not went to some of these parties. I don't know if we can verify that. I, I have seen that they were at these parties. Okay. I and went back in time and looked in the Wayback <laughs> Machine. At some point, someone said... Hey, I just whacked my leg real hard and it didn't hurt at all. And it was bleeding. Yeah. And there was no pain experience from it. And I think it was Crawford Long that was like, what do you mean you're not experiencing any pain? Do it again. Yeah. And let me hold your ether for a minute. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, and then they, they started experimenting with it. Um, and I think Horace Wells used it for dentistry. Um, and uh, Crawford Long was using it for surgery. Yeah, for minor surgery, copper long. Like amputations and stuff like that. Because this is at a yeah. time when it was like, here's your broomstick. Yeah. Here's your bottle of whiskey. Bite down on this. Cut your leg off. Uh-huh. And like the, the, a skilled surgeon was quick. That was the, that was the definition of a skilled surgeon. 
somebody who could take your leg off in less than a minute. Well, I think what you your best case scenario is that you'll pass out from the pain. Right, but they also loaded you up on like booze and drugs. Like sure. you'd smoke a lot of opium first or take a lot of opium somehow. Right, right. So you just wouldn't really care. Gotcha. Have you heard about the flesh-eating bacteria that's going around right now? Yeah. It's crazy. That's a very sad You better story. watch it out with the neti pots, dude. Yeah. I, I actually haven't netted in a little while. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Just remember, distill water and then maybe boil it already. Yeah. Or boil it anyway, I should yeah. say. Well, at the very least, I do a lot of camping and fishing in rivers. I'm not getting in with any open sore anytime soon. No, but that that girl in Georgia, yeah. um, she was on a zip line. She fell yeah. and created an open sore, a.k.a. a wound. So and sad. um it got in there pretty good, apparently. Yeah, Emily and I have been following that story closely. That's like the saddest thing ever. It. Yeah. But she's got a great attitude, uh, apparently, about it. And Oh, really? Yeah, like she, you know, her dad went in and said, you know, finally told her we're going to have to amputate your hands, your other foot, after her leg was already gone. She was like, let's do it. So Yumi's been telling me about this, and she was yeah. saying, like, they just got her fingers, that her hands are intact right now. I don't think so. Is, are her hands gone? I think so. Um. Wow. Yeah, it's very sad. This one ended on a strange twist. I know. Wow. Do you have any more uh, accidental inventions? I know you do, but don't say them. Nope. There's a few more. Go to the website and read all about it. Yeah. Type uh, accidental inventions in the search bar at HowStuffWorks.com, and it will bring up this fine article. There's actually a few articles um, that have similar ones but different ones, too. You'll just read them all. You'll love them. Um, I said search bar at HowStuffWorks.com again, which means it's time for listener mail. Uh, actually, wait, wait. We can't do listener mail yet. This again? Yeah. Okay. It's plug fest time. That's right. Um, so, uh, Chuck, we have a horror fiction contest going on, don't we? That's right. Real quick, give them the broad stroke. Uh, well, if you're familiar with our Halloween episodes the past two years, we do readings right. from uh, Poe uh, last year and uh, what's-his-face the year before that. H.P. Uh, Lovecraft. H.P. Lovecraft. Yeah. And this year, we want to read a story written by you, yes. someone out there. So. We are throwing a contest, and Josh wrote a great blog post uh, outlining the details Yeah, that you can find at How Stuff Works. Yeah, you can go to blogs at How Stuff Works, and it's uh, called um, the Stuff You Should Know's Horror Fiction Contest. Get your official rules right here. Yeah. It's got everything you need to know on there. Everything. What's the highlight? Well, the highlights are that it started on June 18th, and it runs until uh, July 20th at 11.59 p.m. Okay. Uh, you, it has to have been previously unpublished, and that sure. includes websites. If you put it up on your own blog, I think it's okay. Yeah. But like, if you gave it to somebody else and they published it, sorry. Yeah. Um, and uh, it needs to be between three thousand and four thousand words, no more, no less. Okay. And this is really, 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 really important. Your say in the email that you send this in, mm-hmm. uh, you send it by the way to howstuffworks underscore contests at discovery.com. Okay. In that email, when you enter your submission, um, you need to write the words, uh, by entering this contest, I agree to abide by the contest rules. Okay. Without that, it's, it's, we, we have to disqualify you. So that's basically you're signing off that you understand the rules by, by acknowledging that statement. Right. And okay. Go to the blogs and read the rules first. Take a quick glance at them. There's, if you have a question, it's probably answered there. Yeah, and uh, sadly, we know and we understand that this is only for residents of the United States, and yeah. we're sorry, but that's just how it goes. I've said it a million times. We can't win your country's contest either. Right. It's just how contests work. Yes. Take it up with the contest gods. Yes. If you're 17, yeah. even if you're going to turn 18 within the contest, 
You're out of luck. You have yeah. to be 18 as of Monday, July, or June 18th. People don't like rules. No, they don't. But <laughs> we're not making them. Got to have them. Yeah. Okay. So uh, send it off. Us and maybe uh, a couple of other uh, writers or editors will judge these things. We're going to select the top 16 and then enter them into a bracket contest. Then let the people vote, and then we pick the and then the winner is chosen, and we read it on Halloween. Pretty cool. Yeah. All right. What else? We're going to Comic Con in San Diego. Yeah. For the first time ever. Yeah, it's a big. And deal. Uh, Thursday, we don't have the time yet, but Thursday, July twelfth, we will be doing a live podcast panel. Yeah. With special guests. Yeah. What are we doing it on? You want to say, or do you want to keep it a surprise? Well, let's keep it a surprise okay. for now. All right. So, Comic-Con, if you're going to be there, come see us Thursday Please afternoon, do. I think, right? Yeah, you'll be able to find out. Uh, we'll, we'll post it once we can reveal all the gory details. Very cool. So, um, there you go. That's Plug Fest. And now it's time for Listener Mail, right? Yes. Josh, I'm going to call this... What? What medi- are you going to call it? Medical Marijuana. Oh. Uh. Um, and by the way, on email... Uh-huh. I've been answering more and more lately because yeah, I've had more time. Yeah. Um, but still, if you write in and I don't answer, we have read it, I promise. And if you have sent in just a simple uh, suggestion for a show, we log those. Um, but you may not get the email back on something like that. So just yeah. I don't want anyone to feel bad if they've emailed and like we didn't respond. You're a valued, valued member of our fan base. Okay, medical marijuana. Uh, your show on MMJ is what some people have been calling it. I didn't yeah. realize that. I always think it's like Mardesky, Martin, and Jude or something like that. <laughs> and John. Yeah. Uh, it reminded me of a funny story I can share. Uh, during the early 80s, my father had a rare cancer. Um, it's even rare these days from the surprise my doctors have when I give my medical history. Uh, at one point, my dad's doctor suggested he try marijuana to help with the chemo sickness. Um, of course, there was no way to prescribe it back then. You had to get it on your own. Uh, my parents started asking around to see whose kids could get some uh, trustworthy stuff. With no luck where we lived, my mom turned to a relative who lived in another state. So clearly, like, the stoner cousin, like, two states over. Um, she could get it, but I don't know the details how. Uh, the probably ne- for the best. Yeah. The next problem was how to get it to us. Um, she often flew to visit every few months, but was afraid of putting it in her luggage or mailing it, even though everybody used to do that back then, I bet. Yeah. Um, so one of her coworkers had an idea. They worked in a doctor's office and decided she would hide it between her breasts and bandage her as if she had re- recently had uh, breast surgery. She was sent with a note saying under no so- uh, circumstances were the bandages to be removed. They thought that if she was hassled to the airport, a note would get her out of trouble. They did this actually a few times and never got caught. Oh, my God. I know. Isn't that crazy? As it turns out, my father couldn't smoke this stuff. It made him sicker. Um, oh, my God. I know. So he decided to brew it in tea, and I'm sure uh, there was a little uh, baked snack put in his lunch bag every now and then. Um, unfortunately, my father passed away in 1984 when I was 16. Uh, I wasn't completely involved in all this other stuff. The stories were retold later. But there were a lot of hijinks going on in the house over those years, so this is totally plausible. Uh, I remember vividly the little tea ball sitting in the sink, and when I washed the dishes every night asking, can I clean this thing, and I would get a resounding no from about five people in the house at the same time. <laughs> so that is from Cindy. and uh, she Cindy Brady. No, not Cindy Brady, but she asked her if I could read this, and she said yes, and then she wrote me back and said, you know, I ended up talking with my mom about this, and we all had a good laugh all over again. 
you know, and remember my father fondly. Oh, and that's nice. She said her mom ended up smoking some for her anxiety. <laughs> so you should probably wipe your hard drive clean of that email lest somebody, sure, the feds come in and confiscate your computer. Yeah, that's serious stuff. Um, yeah, if you have a, like a wacky family history story, those are awesome, don't we all? That's that's pretty wacky though, man. Yeah. It's like Little Miss Sunshine wacky. Ah, oh, great movie. I haven't seen it. I just know of it. It's funny. Um, we want to hear it. So uh, tweet to us at SYSK Podcast, uh, Facebook.com slash Stuff You Should Know, or email at StuffPodcast at Discovery.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you?